Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Is Wednesday, November 17th, 2021. This is Shannon, and today I'm here with Brooke and Christine. Yes, I did say Christine. Uh, Melissa was supposed to be with us for this episode, but she had some technical difficulties that meant she could not join us, and so Christine is here in her stead, for which I am very grateful. So we are going to talk about family drama because well, the holidays are coming. And if your family is anything like my family, drama will ensue, whether you want it to or not. And so we are going to talk about some of our favorite books that center around family drama. So I'm going to, of course, start out with the housekeeping information, then I will get us started, followed by Brooke and lastly, Christine. You can find us on Twitter and on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. You can always post just on the Book Bistro timeline. Some of you have done that. I'm always so happy to see when you've published posts there. You can join our Facebook listener group where you can chat with us as well as with other podcast listeners. You can keep an eye on some of what we're reading. We usually update you each Wednesday with a look at our current reads. If you'd like to get a hold of us and social media is not really your thing, you can email us. That address is thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. So my first pick is one that I'm always really, really excited to talk about. And it's not something I get much of an opportunity to talk about on this podcast. But this is Saints for All Occasions by J. Courtney Sullivan. And this is, I think, my favorite book that Sullivan has written. It was the first one I've read by her. I read a few others since. And although I liked them, nothing is quite as, as excellent and as beautifully written as this particular book. So Saints for All Occasions is the story of two sisters, Nora and Teresa. And when Nora is 21 and Teresa is 17, they come to the United States from a small Irish village. And Nora has her life all planned out. She's going to get married and she will basically live, you know, the kind of American dream with her husband. But things change when Teresa gets pregnant out of wedlock. And this is like in the 1950s. So this is not a great thing to do. They are worried that Teresa will no longer be accepted by the people that they know in New York. They have a lot of very strict Irish Catholic members of their community. And so Nora makes a really hard decision. And that is that she is going to raise Teresa's baby as her own. And this decision, although in some ways, it saves what they consider to be Teresa's reputation. It also has some far-reaching consequences that exist for years and years. 
And so what we see is that Nora and her husband and their children live what everyone would think of as kind of the picture-perfect life. They're successful. They have a nice home. The family you know, gets along for the most part, right? Like there's always a little bit of like sibling rivalry, but nothing, nothing major. But underneath all of that, there are cracks. And there are, these cracks are ones that Nora is pretty determined not to see. She is really deeply wedded to this idea that she has the perfect family. And for her part, Teresa is now living in a convent. She has become a nun and she is completely estranged from her family. In fact, Nora's children, and remember that one of these children is actually you know, Teresa's birth child, they don't even know that Nora has a sister. And this goes on for such a long time. And then there is a tragedy. And the question is, can Teresa come home back into this family where, you know, she's been kind of like not known for so many years? Can Nora and Teresa repair their relationship at all? And can Nora actually take an honest look at her family and the things that they've experienced, both the good and the bad. I grew up pretty active in the Catholic Church. And although as an adult, I find a lot of things about the Catholic Church kind of off-putting, I was so taken in by the way Sullivan writes about the Catholic faith. And there are pieces of this book that relate to Teresa's reflections and meditations on religion that I think will just always stay with me, even though I don't consider myself um, to be Catholic now. But this is such a deeply moving, poignant story. I highly recommend it. I recommend most things that Sullivan writes, honestly, but this one is like her, her very, very best. And once again, it is Saints for All Occasions by J. Courtney Sullivan. I'm going to be looking it up. I have not I don't think I've oh. read any of her books. She has, there's a book called Maine, which was her first novel. And in some ways it's similar. It's, you know, kind of that like dysfunctional family. Can they come back together? Yep. Um, but I think this one is, is far better. So my first pick is The Third Grave, Savannah Number 4 by Lisa Jackson. And Lisa one thing Jackson. with this series is that it's very, very spread out. Like, I think she wrote her first book, I want to say 2013 or sooner, like, or earlier than that. And then she wrote the next book, like, a couple years later. And then the next one, I think, was, like, four years later. And then this one, I think, was, like, four or five years later. So even though it will really bother Natalia... I will tell you that it's okay to read this book at this series out of order. They kind of, you know enough about the characters that it's, it's, it's not a loss. So this book starts out with um, a man named Bruno and he is kind of a rough guy. He's in and out of trouble and his grandfather used to be the caretaker for the, the Beaumont? I'm pretty sure it's the Beaumont mansion. And the mansion is very run down. And at the time, there has been 
a hurricane that has gone through. And Bruno has decided that he needs some cash. So he's going to go and see if he can find this stash of treasures that his grandfather told him about um, in the mansion. So it's hidden in the in the basement in a, like a crawl space. So he locates a crawl space and instead of treasure, he finds two skeletons. And these are the skeletons of two young girls. And we quickly discover that it is the Duval daughters who've been missing. There's actually three of them that are missing. Um, the youngest being five. And we discover that the older two, Poppy and Holly, they have been discovered, um, but Rose is still missing. So while the investigation, the initial investigation, like after Bruno calls the police anonymously, um, takes place, the main FBI, like uh, main, yeah, FBI guy, his name is Pierce Reed. Well, his wife, Nikki Reed, is a journalist. And she's kind of like, she's like been busy writing true crime stuff. And she feels that this case about the Duval sisters is going to be, is like going to be the case for her next book. Because she's kind of been in the dumps and she had a miscarriage and she's not really sure where she wants to go from here. So she sneaks on to the scene and uh, some things happen that aren't cool at all and it kind of is the beginning of learning that Nikki is really in my opinion anyway she really seems to be out for herself like she will do absolutely anything to get the story so throughout the book there's some different things that she does that puts people in danger and her whole thing is well I got to get the story like she doesn't really think about others and that kind of bothered me about this character but I really enjoyed the book itself so as you get to know um, the investigation we discover that some things happened in Poppy and Holly's family they that kind of get you wondering and there's some reasons behind the disappearance that we learn as the story goes along so there's a lot of family drama. There's a lot of um, town, not town drama because it's Savannah, but a lot of like neighborhood drama. And it's just, I really enjoyed it. Like the South, you can really tell it's in the South and you can really like feel like you are in um, like where you are in Savannah. Like I've never been to Savannah, but I really feel like Jackson writes in a way that you kind of feel like you've been there. Like, I almost feel like I've been there. I've, written, I've read enough books by her. So um, this is The Third Grave, Savannah, number four, and it's by Lisa Jackson. Ah, uh, Lisa Jackson. So the first book in this series, which is The Night Before, is one of the most terrifying Lisa Jackson books I've ever read. It topped only by the one with the dead bodies in the piano which will forever like have scarred me. So my first pick is Apples Never Fall. It's by Leanne Moriarty. 
It's her newest release, and I really enjoyed it a lot. Um, it felt more to me like uh, her book, Big Little Lies. Like she sort of went back to that super wonderful writing that that I, I, I love that book. And this felt more like that to me anyway. Um, this is about the Delaney family who, as the synopsis says, love one another dearly. It's just that sometimes they want to murder each other. And that is how you get family drama, after all. So, uh, when the book opens, their mother has gone missing. And they don't know what to do about this. Like, they don't know that they want to bring the police into it because... They are afraid that the police will look at their father. And two of them kind of think that he has something to do with it. The other two don't. So they're sort of split on this. They seem split on a lot of things. Um, uh, their parents owned a tennis academy for that. That was their career. They were great tennis players. They were the envy of all their friends. They were very well-known fixtures in the community. And they recently sold this tennis academy and were going to sort of have their golden years. But that didn't turn out so golden. Um, they don't communicate with each other very well. And so sometimes it seems like they've got great chemistry. Sometimes it seems like there's just something very wrong. So the adult children... It seems to me they're kind of glad that Tennis Academy is gone. It was sort of a a thing that ran their lives. They were all tennis stars in their own right to varying degrees. Um, though, as their father will say, none of them ever had what it took to make it. And that always bothered him. Like He holds that over their heads, talks about it at meals. He brings it up all the time. He's, he just doesn't seem proud of any of them uh, for what they've done. The, the mother, Joy, she's, she seems okay with it. She's going to have grandchildren, hopefully. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to be okay for her. Before the disappearance, uh, there's, there is a, a night where a young woman named Savannah knocks on the parents' door. And she says she had a fight with her boyfriend, and so she needed to leave. And they offer her a, a place to stay for the night. But she wants more than that. She doesn't just stay for the night. She sort of just keeps staying. She cooks for them. She cleans for them. The family uh, comes over, the children come over for Sunday dinner, and she has cooked, and it's a very tense and strange gathering because the the uh, adult children don't like that, that she's there, especially the daughters don't like it. Um, and, and, you know, they wonder, why did you, why do you let someone just come and move in with you and sort of just keep staying. You don't even know her. They didn't know her at all. 
and you find out as the book goes on that there's a very complicated history and that she does have an agenda and that that is why she's there. But at the time of the disappearance of Joy, the mother, Savannah also disappears. She is nowhere to be found. And this is very suspicious. So the police do find out about Savannah and about the disappearance of the mother. And they have to question uh, Stan, the father, because he's really, he's a big lead. He's the only, that's the only thing they can do. And he's not very forthcoming. Um, Doesn't want to talk to them. Doesn't have anything to say. He acts very suspicious. He acts guilty. He acts like he's got something to hide. So he doesn't help himself at all. It doesn't even seem like he wants or cares if Joy, his wife, is found. And there's just a lot of questions you have. And there are answers, and there are secrets, and we get to find them out. And if you want to find them out, I recommend highly reading Apples Never Fall by Leanne Moriarty, who is very good at writing family drama. All right, so my second book is What a Happy Family by Samia Dave. And Samia Dave is so, so fantastic, both as a writer, but also as a person. I interviewed her um, before this book came out earlier this year, and she is just such a nice, warm, insightful person. I really enjoyed talking with her. So What a Happy Family is her second book, and it is about an Indian-American family who, again, like I think a lot of these books that we're talking about, people are living like really good lives on the surface. And this is, this is true for this family as well. Um, the father is a successful psychiatrist. One of his daughters is also in the mental health field. And he's just like, you know, he's very happy with the way his life is going. Um, he has three children. Like I said, one of them is happily married and is also a mental health professional. His middle child, Natasha, is just about to be engaged. And her family is so, so happy about this. This is like the perfect match for her. And they feel like it's just going to complete their family in a way that they never, you know, quite knew they needed, but are really glad to see happening. And then there is their son. And he, well, he's just their son. And in their mind, like, that's all you need to worry about. Like, it doesn't matter what you do, who you are, as long as you're a man, like that's great. So they have two girls and a boy and, you know, they're, they're all, they're all adults and they're all living their lives in a way that for the most part pleases their parents. But Natasha is really struggling with her role in the family as well as with this coming engagement. Like this man has been her childhood sweetheart, her best friend, kind of the person that everyone is kind of subconsciously expected that she would end up with. And she's not sure she wants that. Natasha wants to be a stand-up comedian. 
And that is just not okay with her kind of like conservative family members. And she's not sure that it's going to be okay with this guy that she might be engaged to. So she's trying to decide what she wants to do. Like, does she really want to marry him or does she want to strike out on her own? And if she does strike out on her own, what does that mean for her relationship with her parents and her siblings? And what does that mean for how Natasha views herself? Um, Samia Dave is a mental health professional herself, and she does such a great job of really getting to know her characters. And they come alive in a way where you just sort of expect them to pop right out of the page. Um, She is just a remarkable writer with so much insight into what makes people who they are. And this book was written during the pandemic. And she tells an interesting story when I interviewed her about living in a multi-generational household, all quarantining together during the pandemic and what what kind of extra layers that added to her writing. Um, But if you want to know more, definitely pick this one up. Again, it's What a Happy Family by Samia Dave. I have not read any of her books. There's this one, and then there's Well-Behaved Indian Women. Um, (laughs) And I haven't read that one, but I have read this, and it is good. Christine read Well-Behaved Indian Women and really liked it. So my next book is Carrie the Dog by Stephanie Ganji. And our main character's name is B. Sager. And her childhood was kind of a controversy, really. She is the daughter, the only daughter, of um, a photographer, a very controversial one. Um, And she's got two brothers. And the reason there's this controversy is because there is this series of pictures called the Marx Nudes. And this happened back in the 60s. And they had um, child um, services come in. And, but her mother was ruled to be like, not have done anything wrong. But in the, this book, we learn about how the, like how the trauma of growing up as one of the Marx children has really affected her life. So the, she's kind of got this on and off um, relationship with her ex-husband, Gary, who is a musician. And part of the trouble with their relationship is is that Gary's kind of been living off the tailcoats of B. Like his hit song that everybody knows is one that she actually wrote and he never ever gave her credit. So B is trying to move along in her life and trying to get past, past her childhood. But she's now been approached by um, a guy who wants to make a movie about her mother But also, she's been approached by a museum who would like to put her mother's, like, put an exhibit together based on her mother and her mother's works. So this leads B to have to start 
kind of looking back and kind of seeing like, is she okay with this? Like, does she really want to be back in the public eye? Because she kind of wants to just live her own life and she doesn't want, she doesn't want to remember. So she ends up going and looking into the, this storage unit that has all her mother's stuff. And the storage unit, as she's looking through it, we get glimpses into like her past and like things that her mother had them like, like different setups. It was kind of, it felt a little bit awkward. Like it was a little bit, it was hard to read kind of in times. Um, and then also it, by going through her mother's stuff, B is learning to kind of work through her trauma and to realize that she's really never tried to deal with the grief of what's happened in the past. Like um, what happened, all this stuff that happened when they were younger um, was part of why her, one of her brothers committed suicide. And then shortly after that, her mother commits suicide. So like, she's never dealt with that grief. And she's also never dealt with the grief of being one of the Mark's children. And then also, she's kind of never dealt with like the stuff that she goes on, goes through with Gary. So I really enjoyed this book. I thought it was very, like, I couldn't stop reading because I just wanted to know like, what's where things going to turn out for her. Um, was she, how far was she going to have to go before she could kind of come out, come like come into her own. So this is Carrie the dog. And it's by Stephanie Ganji. This looks so, so good. So my next book is by an author that I just recently discovered. And this is my second book by her. Read the first one. Absolutely loved it. Um, and so this one is The Secret. It's by Catherine Hughes. This book is a sort of a dual timeline book. Uh, uh, one of the timelines is 1975-1976, and the other one is in 2016. So in the first timeline, we've got a young woman who has married the love of her life. I mean the love of her life. The first time she married him, they were five, and <laughs> they got married in a, in a little kid's ceremony at school uh, on the playground. And it might have been six, but, but they, they were one of those two ages. So they have literally been uh, in each other's lives uh, from the beginning. They get married, and Mary is pregnant. And Tom, her husband, is a coal miner. So he goes off to work one day, and the mine collapses. And some people make it out alive and some do not. Tom is left in the mine. They can't get to him. There's too much, uh, there's too many uh, collapses, and there's too much gas for anyone to have survived. So they seal it off. And it takes Mary a while to decide he's not coming back. She has a really hard time with that, and she doesn't even really want to go on with her life. There is a 
group of people who are made up of, of various individuals who some know each other better than others, some are related. One of them is a father and son. They are on an outing together, enjoying a really nice day. And when they come back, they have a terrible crash on this bus that they're riding. Some of them uh, get killed. And one of them, the, one of them that gets killed is a mother of a just newly born baby. I mean, while they were on this outing, they were eating dinner and she went into the restroom of the, the restaurant or the bar and she has a baby. She didn't even know she was pregnant. She doesn't want to deal with the baby. She has uh, a friend of hers that she was with um, take the baby and says to her to just try to find a place where someone she thinks someone might take care of it so so Daisy does that she takes the baby puts her on a doorstep that she thinks might be good the house looks good well taken care of she sees the woman come to the door and get the baby She's it's good it's all good and so in the 2016 timeline, we have an adult named Beth and her husband named Michael. And they have a little boy named Jake who is, uh, I think he's five, and his kidneys ha have failed. And so he has to have nightly dialysis. He's on the transplant list. He's not doing well. And he needs a a kidney, but they don't know anything about their families. Um, Beth's mother has just recently died, and Beth's mother is Mary, um, who we met earlier in the book. She She's just recently died, and Beth doesn't know who her father is. She doesn't know very much at all about her family. And and Michael doesn't have a big pool of family to choose from. Um, his mother is an alcoholic who never uh, was much of a mother to him. And his father died in the bus accident that we read about earlier in the book. So when Beth is cleaning out her mother's belongings, uh, some of them... She goes through a dresser drawer and she finds a letter and a newspaper clipping. And this really alters her life, her husband's life, and her son's life. And it points to a possible answer to not only who some of her lost family might be, but also maybe a way to find him a kidney? Don't know. If you want to know, and it is an awesome book, uh, read The Secret by Catherine Hughes. So like Brooke's most recent book, mine, my next one is also a book that was one of Kristen's monthly picks um, some months ago. <laughs> and this is Malibu Rising by Taylor Jenkins Reid. 
Um, my favorite Taylor Jenkins read book. Okay, this one, this one is amazing, but it is not my favorite. My favorite will always be The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo. However, Malibu Rising is a really, really cool and special book. It is set in Malibu, in case you couldn't tell from the title, in 1983. <laughs> and weirdly, 1983 in fiction is now considered historical fiction. And that's weird to me because I was alive. In it makes me sad. I know. <laughs> We're old. <laughs> it disturbs me. I know. We, we were alive when historical fiction was written, like, where it's set. So this is about <laughs> the Riva family. And the Rivas are, like, a world-renowned family. The father is a famous singer. They have four kids. And these are, like, the people that everybody wants to be, right? Like, Nina, who is the oldest daughter, is a champion surfer. She's also a supermodel because why not? Um, her brothers are both really well known in their fields. One as also a surfer and then the other is a photographer. And then there's the youngest sister who is kind of just like the baby that everyone loves, even though now you know she's an adult and is really desperate to kind of be seen for who she actually is instead of her role as just like the pampered youngest daughter. So every summer, the Rivas throw a huge party to sort of say goodbye to summer. And it's the social event of the year. If you are anybody in like Malibu, but also from further away, you're like invited to this party. And if you're not, it's, it's a very sad thing for you. So everyone is super excited about this party. At least that's what you're led to believe. But as the book goes on, you start to realize that actually people are not excited about this at all. And they would rather, you know, it, it didn't have to happen. Nina has just been abandoned rather publicly by her husband. And Hud, one of the brothers, is he knows that there's something that he needs to confess to his other brother. But he also knows that doing this is likely to cause a huge rift between them. And he doesn't really know what to do about that. Jay is struggling with some things in his personal life that I don't want to tell you about because they would be spoilerish. And then, as I said, Kit is just kind of in this like epic identity crisis. So they all have things they're trying to deal with. They all feel like they should be really grateful for the things that they have but none of them are, are really very happy. And then this party comes and the father, you know, he hasn't been a part of their lives. Like this Nick Riva, who's super famous, super beloved by all kinds of like music fans. He has not been a very good father. And suddenly all of these things are going to come to a head at this huge, like social gathering. This is so, so wonderful. It is like, like soapy in the very best way. You're just going to like dive into all this gossip and feel like you're reading a really trashy novel, right? And sometimes that is exactly what I want. I want something to sweep me away into other people's problems that like to my mind are super ridiculous, <laughs> but are so important to these people. Um, like this is exactly the kind of book I want when I'm in a certain mood. And I don't think you can find anybody who does this quite like Taylor Jenkins Reid. 
Um, if you're looking for something that's kind of like an homage to the 1980s, I highly recommend this, even though my existence in the 1980s is nothing like what this particular family deals with. But it did kind of remind me of some things in my early childhood. So this is Malibu Rising by Taylor Jenkins Reid. So my next book is Everything We Didn't Say by Nicole Bart. And our main character's name is Juniper. And she is headed back to Jericho, where she grew up. And she said she was never going to go back there because some things happen when about 14, I think they said 14 and a half years prior. So when she was a teenager. And it led her to leave the town. So what had happened was her next door neighbors, um, the Murphys, they're found dead by her brother. And of course, as you could probably imagine, her brother was accused of the murder. And it just really, really rocked the town and rocked the family. And this led to Juniper leaving to go to college, and just to get away from all the drama. So now we're fast forwarding um, 14 and a half years, and she's returning to Jericho to help her friend Coral run the library. So her friend has been diagnosed with stage four breast cancer, and she needs to kind of cut back her hours. So Juniper has offered to come back and to help her. But also another reason why she has come back is to come and to get to know better her 14-year-old daughter, Willa. And as you can imagine, this does not really go over well. Her life with Willa, like Willa's always known that Juniper is her mother, but she was raised by her grandparents, um, Reb, so Rebecca, and Law, or Lawrence, and Rub and Law, they've always let Juniper be part of her life. So she sees her on her birthdays, and they emailed back and forth, and they, like, kind of exchanged um, letters and cards and stuff like that. But, like, that was kind of the really all she really did in her life but now juniper has decided that she wants to be part of more part of Willa's life and Willa's not taking this too well another reason why she has come back is there's a blogger not a blogger podcaster who has started to talk about the murphys and their case because this is a cold case and juniper she knows some things about that night that she doesn't, she doesn't really like, she doesn't want to share, but she feels it needs to come out. So when she's home, things start happening. There's some threatening notes being left, or I mean, threatening calls being left. Um, her brother's dog is found dead. And then her brother mm -hmm. is in a really bad accident. So they start to wonder if could what happened in the past be coming back to haunt them? So the family drama in this book was just, um, it was kind of, 
it was hard. It was kind of hard to read about because you you really felt for Willa, and it kind of made me wonder like how Juniper could really feel that she could just jump right in. It's almost like she wanted to jump right in and be Willa's mom. So I really felt for Willa. So this is everything we didn't say by Nicole Burt. My next book is The Forever Summer by Jamie Brenner. Uh, I really like Jamie Brenner's work a lot. So The Forever Summer is about Marin Bishop. It's about her half-sister too, but Marin Bishop is not doing so well right now in her life. She has just broken off her engagement because she's cheating on her fiancé with a co-worker. And this seems to be a theme uh, in this family because her parents' marriage is also not doing well because her father tends to be prone to... Uh, cheating as well. Marin, at work one day, decided to send in uh, DNA to the, a test, to do a DNA test. So she sends it in, and a while later she gets an email from Rachel saying that Rachel is her half-sister. And Rachel has always wanted to know more about her father's family because she doesn't know much her it was just a, a sperm donation and so there was no information so she finds uh their paternal grandmother and she convinces marin to go with her for a summer vacation to the b&b &B where that that their grandmother owns so they do this, and as things unfold, Marin is torn between wanting uh, Rachel to be her half-sister and wanting the grandmother to be her grandmother, but in also m not having any of this be true, because if it's true, there are a whole lot of secrets in the family, and a whole lot of heartbreak and things to to be gone through so she's really torn and as the summer progresses you find out more and more about that and about her her battle to to figure out the truth and then to live with the truth when she does figure it out that's really all i can tell you it's a it's a very uh it's heartbreaking, but it's also really um, got some good, strong relationship development, character development. So if you want to read it, please do. It is The Forever Summer by Jamie Brenner. Okay. So my last book for today is a romance, actually. It's one that I wasn't sure it's going to include, but the more I thought about it, the more I realized that yes, it is romance, but the one of the conflicts that exists here 
has so much to do with the heroine's place in her rather dysfunctional family. So I am going to talk about the heart principle, the kiss quotient number three by Helen Huang. And this, I think, is one of the like standout books of 2021. It has so much heart and so much depth. So our heroine is Anna, and she is a violinist. She has become really famous because of a YouTube video. Like up until this point, you know, her, her career was good. She was well-known in her field, but she didn't have like the world renown. You know, she was just like a classical musician that was good at what she did. But suddenly this video of her goes viral and her success becomes so, so entwined with this video that Anna Anna has a hard time because there's a part of her that is a perfectionist. And so she is always seeking to do better than she did, you know, the performance before. She's always trying to better herself. And, you know, eventually she kind of hits the wall. Like she just cannot do better. And because of that, she cannot perform. She has completely burned out and her family does not know how to deal with this. She does not have a supportive family. Um, they are very, very traditional. Um, they really kind of have taught Anna that she is nothing, that she is the least important out of all of them. Um, they don't take her, her career aspirations seriously, but at the same time, they don't really want her to fail because that looks bad for them. Um, they're kind of difficult people to read about, um, very difficult people to like in a lot of ways. And I, I felt really bad for Anna throughout all of this. But she meets a young man named Quan. And if you've read some of Helen Huang's other books, you will recognize him. And he kind of helps Anna embrace who she really is. And he helps her to realize that you don't have to be perfect, like for yourself, for your family, for the world, that really perfection should not be like your goal. And that life is richer because of the things that we do well, but also because of the things that maybe we don't do as well, the things that we embrace because we love them, but maybe they're not completely perfect. And I loved loved, loved watching Anna kind of come in to who she is as a person and really appreciate herself the way I, as a reader, appreciated her. Um, it's a hard book to read if you deal with a lack of self-esteem. Um, Anna's struggle can feel really close to home and it can hit hard, but I think it is such an important book that deals with some deep issues in kind of a fun package of a romance. It, it walks that line so nicely between women's fiction and romance. So this is The Heart Principle, The Kiss Quotient, number three by Helen Huang. So my last book for tonight is All Her Little Secrets by Wanda M. Morris. I Our main character's book. name is Ellis. And she is a corporate lawyer. So... She has been having an affair with her white boss. Um, so Ellis is a black lawyer and she works in a company of all white people. So that's just kind of like something I kind of need to let you know because it kind of goes with the story. So 
she is supposed to meet up with Michael one morning early. And she goes to his office and she finds him dead. So most people, when you find somebody dead, you would like, I don't know, call, call the police 911 <laughs> or call the police or something. You would do something, right? Well, there's some things in Ellis's history, like background that make her not so sure about the cops. So she takes off. She just, she goes home. And later on, she's called to um, the CEO's office and she's kind of worried, like, oh my God, did they see me? What's going on? Oh my God. And well, unbeknownst to her, she has now been given Michael's job. So she is now the boss. Um, she's not sure how she got the job. She's not sure if she wants the job, but the CEO kind of like kind of pushes her into it. The CEO and the HR person. Um, Ellis is a little bit suspicious about people and their reasonings behind why they do things. Um, she's not sure that she was given the job for the right reasons. So this kind of gets her to start digging. And she discovers that part of the reason why she's been given this job is because there are some protesters that are, hop- that are some protests that are happening outside of the, uh, bi- of the building um, because of this, this, her business, like because of her workplaces hiring practices. So she kind of, they kind of want to use her as like a poster child, really. Um, this kind of bothers her, of course. And as she's also learning the ropes, she discovers some things that are happening in the company. And she kind of wants to obviously get, like, get the problems dealt with, but people in like higher up, they don't want these things discovered. So they end up bringing her brother into it all. Huh? I said, no, they don't. Oh, they don't want it discovered. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, so they don't want it discovered. So one of the suspicious people, they bring her brother into it all. And this starts opening up Pandora's box. And we start learning about Alice and her background and where she's come from. And I don't want to give away any more because if I do, I will totally, it will totally be spoilers. So this was a great book. I loved it. And I really look forward to seeing what Morris does next. So this is All Her Little Secrets by Wanda M. Morris. I really liked what this had to say about class and about race. And as a white person, like it wasn't, always super comfortable to read because I think some of the things that that were going on are things that like I as a white person you know don't necessarily enjoy thinking about even though these things are are things that happen to people my last book is We Are the Brennans by Tracy Lang and We Are the Brennans is about The Brennans, ironically enough, if you can believe that. And the Brennan that we start off with is Sunday, 
Brennan. Sunday wakes up in a hospital and she was in a drunk driving accident. In fact, she caused it. And so she is feeling pretty alone and uh, doesn't know what to do, where to turn. So she goes back home to her family. Her family is all still in the same area. She's the one who left. She's the only one who left. And she did that without any explanation. She had a high school sweetheart that she just abandoned. And she gave no explanation to anyone except for her twin brother. He does know and he has kept her secret. So when she goes back home, people are sort of glad to see her but they have a lot of questions and they have a lot of anger and she tries to just sort of settle back into life there without telling them why she left in the first place she has some really good bookkeeping skills that they need for the the family business so she um is very valuable to them but there's just also a lot of tension a lot of like unexpressed anger that then bubbles over things like that so as the book goes on we do learn why she left secrets come out people there are not such good things that we find out and uh it gets a little tricky, as these books always do. It's a very good read. I really enjoyed it. And I recommend that you read We Are the Brennans by Tracy Lang. And that concludes our family drama episode. Thank you to Brooke and Christine for coming up with such awesome recommendations and of course special thanks as always goes out to christine for her fantastic editing but extra today for coming out from behind the keyboard to actually participate in this episode and present some of her favorite books and of course i thank each and every one of you so much for joining us each week as we talk about all the books we love If you would like to leave us a rating or a review, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or any other platform that you use to access the show. Not only does it tell us what you think, but it also helps other people find us when they're looking for book-related podcasts. Um, it kind of advances us in the Google algorithm. So I will be back next Tuesday morning with an author interview and, of course, the guide to new releases. And some number of us will be back on Friday with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody. Mm-hmm.